Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome once again to Daily Daf Differently. This is Jeremy Kalmanowski and we are studying uh, Tractate Shabbat. We have reached page 8 or Daf Chet and we continue our study of the way the sages mark out the spaces of which we live, spaces in which we live, private space and public space, Rishut HaYachid and Rishut HaRabim. And today we continue on uh, as we have been talking about that middle ground space which is uh, neither fully private nor fully public. It's called a Carmelite, and it is rabbinically forbidden, not, not uh, as the rabbis don't, don't consider it forbidden by the Torah itself, but they consider it forbidden by rabbinic legislation to move items uh, to or from uh, a Carmelite, to or from private or fully public space to a Carmelite, and to carry four amot, or let's call it four paces, in the in the Carmelite, we're also going to talk about a mekom patur. That's the place to which the so small uh, that the laws of carrying on Shabbat don't really apply. Uh, our page today is a little bit of a slog. Um, this is this is Mara argumentation at its best. What we're interested in today is uh, the spaces which are in the public domain in in the Rishut Ha Rabim. But uh, and they may in fact be used by the public as a Rishud Harabim, but they are either recessed or raised up, and so they are distinct from the flat ground. So what we're asking ourselves is when when things are recessed, a little pit or or a little pool of water, um, are they in fact part of the Rishud Harabim? Well, if people use them as the Rishud Harabim, if they use them, then yes, they are. Uh, if they use them, kinda. Like, let's say there's a, there's a small ditch which people could use to store objects in. The question before us is, does that still count as a Rishut HaRabim? One of the major Talmudic figures, one of the major Amoraim, that is the post-Mishnaic uh, sages from Babylonia. There are Amoraim from Eretz Yisrael and of Israel as well, but this fellow was from uh, Babylonia. We spoke about him yesterday. He is Rava, and he lives, I guess, about in the, in the 4th century. Um, and Rafa says that if you don't use those things easily, if it is not a natural thing to use that ditch, then, then no, it's not really part of Rashut HaRabim. And if the dimensions of it are big enough, it is a Carmelite. At the end of our page, on the, the back side, or the bet side of this stuff, we'll have the same analysis of what amounts to a little porch called an Iskufa, uh, which is two, uh, it's, it's, it's not really Rashut HaYachid, it's not part of somebody's house, it's like their porch, but it's too small to be its own domain, kind of like a threshold, so uh, it, is, it is considered Mekom Patur. You can place from the inner dimension onto the porch, or you could place from the outer dimension onto the porch, but the sages are just, don't cheat. You know, don't take it from your house and say, well, I can put it on the porch, and then walk around to the Rashut HaRabim and uh, take it once again from the porch to the public space, that would obviously be a, a, a deceptive sort of cheating. So you can put the stuff on the porch, you can use items on the porch, but, but don't, don't use it as a, as a kind of stratagem. Uh, now, Talmudic argumentation, uh, the, the famous you know, Talmudic logic, 
uh, often is is stylistically it's often built around what are called uh, uh, what is called a hava amina, which which means literally the thing I would have thought. Often we uh, the the Talmud proposes now you might erroneously think the following thing, but you shouldn't, and it imagines that the Bible verses are phrased to prevent you from thinking this erroneous thing. It imagines that the sages phrase their own wording w- teachings, phrase their own teachings, and word their teachings to prevent you from uh, making this mistake. And, you know, oftentimes they are, uh, oftentimes it's part of the intellectual value of the Talmud to really seriously interrogate this Hava Amina, this alternative possibility, and to learn what might be beneath the Hava Amina. It's the thing that actually people love to study about Talmud because they take the Hava Aminas usually seriously. It's actually a profound intellectual value of Jewish study to uh, examine what might be true about the alternative case. Don't assume that the obvious surface case is true, the thing that, quote-unquote, everybody knows. The thing that everybody knows is often false. You have to examine the Hava Amina. Now, in our page, we have some Hava Aminas that, that are really admittedly not of that quite serious kind. Uh, they are uh, uh, ideas that are proffered, which the experienced Talmud student knows by the phrasing are certain to be rejected. Um, the Talmud is the Talmud is very consistent in its diction, and sometimes it throws up what are obviously rejectable possibilities. But that is still the structure of the argument. So I'm going to just tell you a couple that that appear in our page. We t- I t- told you about the iskufa, the porch. Um, and we said the Baraita that that Mishnaic era teaching, actually from from a page ago, said that one can transfer from the the inside to the iskufa or from the outside to the iskufa. And the Talmud says, "Well, what what is the iskufa? Is does the iskufa count as a rishut harabim? Is it a public space? No, it obviously cannot count as that. It must count as the private space. But then it immediately goes on to reject that possibility. No, it cannot possibly be." a Rishut HaYachid, because then how could I bring in from the outside? Well, then it must be considered a Carmelite. Well, no, it can't be considered a Carmelite, because in the end of the day, you still can't carry from a Carmelite. And so we arrive at the conclusion, which the experienced students saw from the very beginning was very clear where we were heading, that the that the Iskufa counts as a Mekom Patur. Similarly, we have an interesting uh, Baraita in which it says that a pool of water, which is in the middle of the Rishut Harabim, um, uh, that if you throw an object for Amot, the, the, the requisite distance of carrying, if you throw it into the pool, then that is a violation. And, and oddly enough, the Baraita, that, that Mishnah are teaching, repeats the rule twice. Now, the rabbis do not like superfluity in language. They assume that if, somebody, if something is phrased twice, it must be uh, for a reason, or if something is too obvious to need saying. That, that itself, that obviousness, um, uh, demands an explanation. So why does it say twice in this teaching that the, uh, that the pool in the Rishut HaRabim you can, counts still as the Rishut HaRabim, and if you throw four amot, then that counts as carrying? Well, you might have thought that there are different rules for the pool in summer or winter, because summertime, very hot, and people use the, the pool to cool off. But they wouldn't do that in the winter, so maybe in the winter it's no longer Rishut HaRabim. Or you might have thought that people are already wet and muddy in the, in the wintertime, and so they would use the pool, but they wouldn't in the summer when their clothes are otherwise cleaner. Therefore, Hava, Mina, you might have thought that there was a different rule for winter or summer, 
but in truth there is not. The same rule applies winter and summer. Thanks for learning with me today, and that was Daf 8, and I look forward to learning with you again tomorrow on Daf 9. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.